let's go. Let's go. This for you. You can count. I'm impressed. But drive. Rule one. Never change the deal. The deal was transportation for three men with a combined weight of 254 kilos. Yeah? Well, this is a new deal. An extra 80 kilos means we'll not make your destination on the gas I have allotted. So we'll stop and get more gas. Every stop we make exposes us. Every exposure increases the risk of getting caught. An extra 80 kilos means the Coney shock absorbers I installed for this job will not give us the ability to outmaneuver any police that might be chasing us. Which means, if there is a chase, we lose our advantage. Which also increases the possibility of getting caught. I don't want to get caught. You don't want to get caught. You are listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on sight. The following podcast may contain language and discussions of a frank and adult nature, and spoilers regarding the films discussed are always to be expected. Thank you for joining us. Now start the show, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight! back it is they must be destroyed on site episode 146 and i'm your host lee you don't need your mouth to pee russell joined by my co-host daniel you're always complaining except when we make love then you say nothing harper how you doing sir i'm saying nothing (laughs) and we are also joined uh yet again by greg you can't get anything done in a world without rules balaski how you doing sir I'm doing fine, but you and I are going to have an argument about that P thing, because I think you do need your mouth. (laughs) And we are joined again by Scott. I got sick of seeing my best efforts turned into bullshit by the same people that paid me to do the job. Summerton, how are you doing, sir? (laughs) That's a long one, but I like it. That's good. I'm doing quite good. How are you? Mm, Good. So we're going to be looking at a Jason Statham movie this time around. We're going to be looking at The Transporter from 2002. But before we get into that, uh, we do have a couple things we've watched in the last little while. So I'll throw over to you uh, first there, Scott. Okay. Well, I'll give a little bit of disclosure on on this one. Um, So... As mentioned last week, I uh, celebrate the movies you're embarrassed to love. So like the the 80s action, the the guilty pleasures, I call them. That's my site's name and everything, .com. It's all good. <laughs> but people always like to think, oh, so you like things like Plan 9 or The Room, right? I'm like, no, no, they're the so bad it's good type. They're, they're yeah. the enjoy the incompetence is what those are. I'm talking about the ones that are competent. You just overlooked it. A friend of mine named Jason does... Triscadecafiles.com. I'll give him a plug because he does good reviews for bad movies. He focuses on those things like Winter Beast and Uh random out there ones. So that's up his alley. And he introduced me to a movie called Trash Cans of Terror. Okay. He... He had discovered it. There's other movies, very similar vein. Alien Beasts and Space Psychos by Carl J. Sudenik, I believe his name is. And this came up in the same vein. They're, these are like look, barely incompetent movies. Uh, Trash Cans of Terror is stars a guy named Spider who comes across some weightlifter girl who turns silver because of a thing she found in her car. And trash cans attack her. Okay. They're alien trash cans. And the fight scenes have trash cans being thrown at actors from off screen. 
And then they beat up the trash cans by punching them and kicking them and throwing them back off screen or just knocking them over and tipping them. So I watched that today. It's free on YouTube. It's about 70 minutes. The director put it up. Oh, you mean it's uh, not YouTube Red? No, no, no. It's <laughs> This is from the 80s for the record as well. Ooh, you can hear like the, the director counting down sometimes or looking at the camera <laughs> to make sure the take is done. It's one of those. Four people are involved. Chuck Handy's the star and director, the writer, the everything. It's one of those type of movies. Mm-hmm. But it was legitimately fun. And if you search it on YouTube, you'll find that the director himself put it online talks about wanting to make a sequel years ago. We're talking like 30 years now since he made it. But yeah, Spider Leibowitz is our hero when he fights alien trash cans. The introduction to it literally is a trash can gets thrown at him. It leaped and attacked him in the story, you see. But a trash can is thrown at him and hits him in like the butt. He falls over and wakes up. Oh, the trash cans took Kathy. And well, yeah, it's this, it's is, this really sounds like sort of that classic, almost, you know, uh, Campbell-esque kind of like monomyth kind of, yeah. kind of narrative here. You know, it uh, seems like well, one there's... one for the ages, you know, kind of like uh, really riffing on uh, stuff going all the way back to the Odyssey, I would say. Well, yeah. the fun the fun part of it is you can clearly tell these people were just having fun as well because, I mean, part of the times it doesn't cut soon enough and you can see them smiling looking at the camera. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there is like this bloopers at the end too. But it's just like four people having fun making a movie defying the odds back in like 1985 is, is when this is. I mean, Back to the Future, it's not, but... So this was, this was like, shot on, on VHS. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but it's got its own weird charm. Like, it's incompetent, absolutely. But watching it, I'm like, well, there's some funny bits here and there, a couple good lines. The, the evil plan is to have the silver weightlifter woman. They're going to give her the power of trying to kill her with a thousand orgasms in one minute. Okay. And then she survives it because of intervention. How did you survive it? I'm from California. You know, okay. things like that. I'm like, that's actually, okay, That's there's there's some fun in this. It's not just good, funny for the incompetence, but there's a lot of that, too. Um, you it also told me. I'm going to watch this now. Yeah, go look, go look it up. Trash Cans of Terror. I, I will, again, give the shout-out to my friend Jason at Triska. Uh, Triska Decafiles, it's like fear of the number 13, it's a thing. And yeah, he's going to be reviewing it at some point, too, on his text site. But my God, I, the one thing, here's the best review I can say of it. I, I noticed this during it. I have never seen fights against trash cans as good as this. <laughs> uh, well, we'll have to link both this and uh, your, your friend's site in the mm. uh, show notes. So, Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's what I watched. How about you guys? I, I know what we're doing next week now. <laughs> <laughs> It's yeah no I uh, honestly if you guys it, he will gladly jump on I'll be like Jason come here you got to get on this podcast he he will happily talk about this because he he's been doing his own podcast stuff too but it's just like what have we found and he suddenly told me yeah the director has it free on YouTube well I know what we're watching so huh. yeah so that's a movie I mean I know you guys have covered everything from well literally the or citizen Kane to commando and it's also a movie <laughs> that's all i can really say about it but it was fun legitimately a fun watch i don't think we've covered anything that involves murdering a woman with orgasms so here we go <laughs> <laughs> i did put barbarella on the long list a while back but you know I, I think it also has the longest kiss scene i've seen in a movie and there are two people credited as kiss consultants in the credits so wow. kiss consultants yeah it's the two actors it's one of those type of things but yeah Huh? Awesome. But that's a hell of a thing that happened today. So, <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? 
Yes, I actually have. Other than watching the Transporter today, I also watched the Predator, which I think was mentioned on the show we did last. I don't know if it was online or off. So I was, I wanted to watch it. I've always been a fan of the Predator movies. I know they kind of get crapped on. Uh, you know, the original is obviously amazing. I always think Danny Glover's sequel is great. And I actually think Predators was actually a pretty decent movie as well. This one, I'd, man, I, I really feel I should be shitting on it harder than I am. It's not a good movie, but I found it to be an entertaining enough movie. I, you know, if I were to rate it, it'd probably be like a four out of 10 or something. It's not good by any means, but it was certainly watchable and i certainly wasn't upset watching it i think the the big problem where all these movies kind of step away except for maybe the first or second movie is that they just the the characters in it although perhaps interesting a little bit at the end are not well established so unlike the characters sort of in the first movie you don't give a shit you're just like oh that guy died okay there another generic white guy just got murdered okay i don't care the action scenes are actually not bad and i was actually surprised that i actually thought the fight at the end was kind of good but not quite a pass for me but i thought it was gonna be way worse than it was even especially since they sort of reused a major plot thread from the last movie predators where they basically it's like oh you got a predator and oh well, no now we got a bigger predator because why not yeah i'm sure, I, in, the, I'm sure in the next mm-hmm. one there'll be like three of them or something yeah i heard yeah i heard it was shane black who i think both wrote and directed that one i think i believe so yeah yeah, directed, I, yeah i think i think he wrote it too though yeah. i i heard they basically took it out of his hands so through yeah. the production they did rewrites and all kinds of shit so <clears throat> yeah I, I think i mentioned it i think it was after we were recording but the I had major problems with them trying to explain things. And again, I don't want to spoil it for others, but there was just things in that movie where they were explaining bits from the first two. It was like, you don't need to explain that detail of that. Maybe they're just doing it because the, the concept was like, I said, predators, you said was fun. I enjoyed it too. I the, oh, predator movies have gotten bad, but they're always still fun. This was just really stupid. And they took some of the cool stuff out part way when the bigger one came in. Cause he was just a big, angry bullet sponge. And that's not what Predators should be. It's Even though the ending fight was kind of fun and like how it's like, okay, it's, this isn't working. What do you do now? It was all right. But, I mean, box office-wise, I think it was the lowest gross for a movie in over 4,000 screens that's ever oh. been released. It beat the record that The Mummy had last year by 11 million. <laughs> it was like 26 million. It made less than Predators did 10 years ago in twice as many screens as it had. Damn. So it's like it's like okay, you want to kill a franchise? Go ahead. It sucks. I want more. Predator's a favorite, but at least the Predators, and I, I mean, you had some fairly well-known names in Predators. Like you had yeah. Adrian Brody in the lead. You had Topher Grace. I mean, these are all people that at least it's like okay, I know who these people are. I'm going to see them. I don't know any of the actors. I think Olivia Munn was the was the girl in the yeah. movie. I think that's the only actor actress I've even heard. Oh, and it was the. The guy from Game of Thrones who got his wiener chopped off was in it too. He sort yeah. of had a had a. It wasn't well, even like a main role. He died halfway through the mo- movie. Sorry for the spoilers, but it's uh, Predator. They, there's their fodder. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like who, who cares? Why do I care about this guy and his kid and stuff? Like, what? Why is any of this important? It really isn't. I mean, that's going to be kind of what I'm going to say with Transporter. Actually, a little bit about how an action star works. But these were literally nameless nobodies given characters that are generic and boring. I didn't even realize that was Tom Jane until after the movie. I'm like, oh, really? He's okay. So like, it was a waste of everything involved in it. And I'm supposed to believe they're going to take on a predator, let alone one that can take on a predator. Like it. Yeah. It just, 
it's so misguided. Like it shouldn't be that hard to make a predator movie, but it's super easy to screw one up. Yeah. Deceptively difficult, I think. <clears throat> like you have, like this is so many bad ideas and bad execution. Predators was a cool idea that was they had trouble to execute. I think the Predator was a bad idea that they executed well. Like the action was good, it looked great, it was like some well done stuff in it, but it was like, man, this movie doesn't deserve that. <laughs> I I just could not believe how they just so blatantly and this was in their advertising and everything. It's not like they snuck up on people, how they just so blatantly ripped off the plot from Predators. It's the exact same plot. Hey, mm. look. Here's the predator you know and love. Oh, he's dangerous. Oh, he's going to kill you all. Oh, no, there's a bigger one. Now he's just going to murder this predator, and now he's the enemy. Like, it's the now, exact same plot. It drove let me, me crazy. Let me give you one little bit that was cool that was apparently, like, there's scenes filmed and photos of it, but it wasn't in the movie. There's apparently a bit where there's a bunch of the military guys on a Jeep, and they're on a turret shooting at the big predator, and the regular predator is with them helping. That sounds cool <laughs> as shit. I want to see that. Didn't happen. They took that out. They're like, no, no, no. No, we got to establish he's a big bad. We got to Thanos this Loki. We got to do this to make him, you hate him more. No. You're taking all the fun out of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I saw, actually, I've, I've held back on this. I figured, hey, since we're doing the transporter, I might as well mention this. A couple weeks back, I saw The Meg with uh, Jason Statham. <laughs> and I thought it was pretty decent. Like, it's it's not it's not a great movie. There's There's no real plot to think about all that much but the characters were at least interesting enough it's basically the big budget well-made version of all those shitty sci-fi shark movies that you see Mm -hmm. uh, that you know um it's actually done competently they're actually trying to make an entertaining movie that's good you know they're they're, they're not trying to actively be bad like those movies are they're not winking at you and uh statham is as good as always like i I think he's basically good in anything he does it's basically a, a kaiju movie that the only thing it needed was another kaiju for the shark to fight and it would have been super entertaining but yeah it was pretty decent I think Statham elevated that movie beyond what it was, but it was still pretty fun anyway. Mm-hmm. And unlike unlike the Predator we just talked about, you cared about all these characters. Even the douchebaggy villain guy, you still didn't mm-hmm. really want to see get killed. Like you still liked him. And they managed to do things and get everything you expect out of the way early and leave you with half a movie going, "Well, what now?" And that's yeah. great. That's the, the, that's where you want to be in that situation. And every time someone's in peril, you figure, well, they, this has got to be where they die, and then they kind of tease you and mess with you for a bit, and mm-hmm. you're left the whole movie not knowing what's going to happen. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, so that was entertaining. All right, I guess we can, unless have, anyone has anything else, we can uh, move on to our break and come back to review the movie. Okay, then. We're, I guess we're going on break. Uh, <laughs> some music, some podcast promos. You know the drill by now, and we'll be back to talk about the transporter. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. 
This is Duncan McLeish from Under the Stairs, signing off. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping absolutely. up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How be a rough How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension of not only a film and sound, but mind. A journey into an auditory movie review adventure that must be experienced to be believed. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Doomsday Clock. You can extract the Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock podcast by either searching for WYCH on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Tune in and on your Android device, which versus the Doomsday Clock is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. So prepare yourself. The podcast ice is gonna break.
All right, the transporter from 2002. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind transporting something for me. No questions asked. Why not? From the maker of the professional and La Femme Nikita. Once we make a deal, the terms of that deal cannot be changed or renegotiated. Frank Martin is the best in the business. Seventy-five thousand, half now, half on delivery. He never made a mistake until today. What kind of state am I in? Deep trouble. You know what to do. Just be quiet. Come on, go, go, go! Why'd you try to kill me? You broke the rules. You opened the package. <laughs> are made to be broken. The Transporter. Directed by uh, Louis Leterrier and Corey Yoon. And it's, it's weird. Apparently, one of them's director of, of design or production or some weird thing. They, they gave them weird titles for Artistic their... director. Art, yeah, there you go. I looked um, that one up. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, even in the opening credits. I remember mm-hmm. seeing this for the first time and going, oh, Louis Leterrier. He's the uh, artistic director. I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, written by Luc Besson and Robert Mark Kamen. Uh, Luke Besson, of course, of uh, the professional fame, starring Jason Statham as Frank Martin, Shuqua, Shuqiu, Shuqui, Shuqui, as as Lai Kui, um, <laughs> sure. Francois Berliand uh, as Inspector Tarkani, Matt Schultz as Darren <laughs> Wall Street Betancourt, Rick Young as Mister Kui, Didier Saint Malin as Boss, and Jean Marie Perry as Giant Thug. And we do have a synopsis here. Almost all the synopsises for this on IMDb were super long. I picked a moderately long one because the shortest one was just terrible. <laughs> so this is from someone called Anthony Peria, and it is ex-Special Forces operator Frank Martin lives what seems to be a quiet life along the French Mediterranean, hiring himself out as a mercenary transporter who moves goods, human or otherwise, from place to place. No questions asked. Carrying out mysterious and sometimes dangerous tasks, his tricked-out BMW, Frank adheres to a strict set of rules, which he never breaks. Rule one, never change the deal. Rule two, no names. Frank doesn't want to know whom he's working for or what he's transporting. Rule three, never look in the package. Frank's newest transport seems no different from the countless ones he's done in the past. He's been hired by an American known only as Wall Street to make a delivery, but when Frank stops along the road, he notices his package is moving. Violating Rule 3, Frank looks inside the bag, finding its contents to be a beautiful gagged woman. Frank's steadfast adherence to his other two rules, which make up his basic code of survival, also quickly fails, hurling him and his new companion on a road leading to shocking secrets, deadly complications, and the last thing that Frank ever expected to come in to believe that rules are made to be broken. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that it, it gives us the first 15 minutes of the film in excruciating detail and then says, yeah, and then like you live and you learn. 
you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, we'll, we'll go to you, Scott. First, what are your general thoughts on this? Well, this I'll give you the backstory and how I saw this one. I saw the Transporter Two trailer and went, "That looks cool." What's this movie? Went and saw it. It was awesome. Loved it, and realized, "Hey, that's the guy who was in the one with Jet Li because he's one of the mm. the temporal dimension cops with I think it's Delroy Lindo." Right. Um, yeah, he had hair in it. It's like, yeah, he's in that. I'm like, oh, that guy is cool. He's awesome in this. What's the first one like? So I went and picked up the DVD, which came with a free ticket to see two again. So I did that too. One is such a European movie compared to two because I mean, it's Luc Besson, like you said. It's it's very European. It's not Hollywood at all. Two is Hollywood as fuck in comparison. It's kind of kind of silly, kind of crazy how much they call back to the first one. But seeing them out of order kind of worked better. I'm like, oh, that's where that came from. So I lucked out with that. But Jason Statham, I think th- this was his coming out party. And I'll go to what I was kind of saying about Predator stuff before and things about like Dwayne Johnson. I remember hearing, this is going to take a second. I remember hearing someone say that Arnold Schwarzenegger is like the modern John Wayne. He's like larger than life and commands the screen. I think Dwayne Johnson's the new version of that. My reason for saying that is that I think Stallone was kind of the counterpoint to that, where he's more of a workman type. It wasn't easy for him in the characters. Schwarzenegger was larger than life, commando, nothing hurts him. Stallone's out there bleeding and fighting, Rambo style. Statham is like the counterpoint to The Rock in, in this sense. He's the modern version of a Stallone, I feel. Where his characters might get beat up, but he's still going to always survive it. And it's kind of fun to see them both in the Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw and everything now. But seeing things and the timing of this movie with Leterrier doing... The artistic direction, which basically I think he means he filmed the narrative and Corey Yoon did the, the martial arts, which is, I think, all this is. But there are scenes like when he kicks the door down and the timing with the music is just, you don't get that in movies much anymore. And this is, what, 16 years old now? This the, the pacing and timing of the axe fight when he's dodging it. It's to the music, which wasn't written for it. It's cut and scored and pl- plotted and timed and... Then he's got the bus fight with the oil, and it, it's it's ridiculous how they keep one-upping things to the extent that Jason Statham fighting 30 people in a parking garage with a metal pipe became a thing that happened more than once. <laughs> and you almost got upset when it didn't. This guy, again, he kind of commands the screen. He's always playing the same character, whether it's Transporter or The Meg or even hmm. The Expendables. It's the same guy, but you love him for it. He is endearing despite Despite everything that should be, like this kind of cockney, bald British guy really shouldn't be that. Yet he does, that workman attitude of him. And I mean, go back to Snatch and Lockstock and stuff like that too. And you you see what else he can actually do. But what's what's the the phrase I'm looking for here? He just kind of like took it and ran with it more than I think anybody expected out of this. Except probably Luc Besson. He probably figured, no, this guy can do it. He can make a franchise here. It's a great movie. It's, It's very old school in its sense of you see the fights, you watch it from a wide angle, uh, or just at least a pulled back angle where you can see what's happening. Transporter 3 sucks for that, by the way. They they forgot how to do that in that one. But this just shows you all the action, shows you how good he is, and him doing it. And the story's there, there's the silliness. It doesn't take itself too seriously, like some of the stuff we've been talking about with the rundown and that. It is goofy. It is funny. It knows it's being silly that this is a one-man army and he's going to steal a Lamborghini for a taxi driver and things like that. Like it's going to happen, and he's going to block rockets with a plate and things in the trailer. I think they cut it out, but stuff like that in the film that only happened. Yeah, 
trailer. It was in the trailer, but he did it. And then he's still going to end up with Shu Ki, who's like 20 years too young for him, but whatever. She's hot. It's fine. Um, and the the crazy, silly detective who is kind of in on it, but knows, but doesn't, but does. And so there's like an almost John Wick-ish relationship, but he's trying to catch him. That's fun. And yeah, the whole movie works. The bad guy, I forgot he was called Wall Street until you said it. That's how forgettable that part is. So, eh, it's not perfect. But honestly, just for pure, just crazy, awesome, but also straightforward action, it's great. But also there's a scene where he's covered in oil wearing bicycle spokes on his feet to fight 12 guys. <laughs> so, you know, it gets it gets goofy too. But yeah, a lot of yeah. fun. Uh, what about you, Greg? Well, once again, Lee, I'm gonna I'm gonna thank you for putting me right right after the professional podcaster who had lots to say, lots of interesting things to say, and I'm just gonna be that guy that's gonna be like, ah, I think this movie was good. That's all I have to say. <laughs> no, uh, no, I actually I've never seen this movie before. I just watched it a few hours ago, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm gonna be watching the sequels now. I thought it was uh, good. Jason Statham. I'm going to sort of disagree with sort of him being the modern Stallone because I always thought of Stallone as sort of basically the lesser Schwarzenegger, even though he is definitely in some movies that are better than Schwarzenegger's collection. But uh, I, to me, this guy's more sort of like the modern Van Damme or Jet Li or whoever you want to say, where the guy's actually a really skilled fighter. He's not just a giant muscle guy who just stands there and shoots at people and everyone dies and nobody can hit him. Like, you know, he's legitimately very skilled, you know, in whatever martial arts he he does. And, yeah, I've I've never seen this, but uh, this was – I thought it was a really fun, really fun action movie. And, uh, you know, it was kind of interesting just to see him because I've seen him in a lot of his later – newer stuff. Like, I'm a fan of the Fast and the Furious movies, and uh, I thought he's, he's a lot of fun in those movies, especially Fighting the Rock. Uh, but it's interesting to see him. You know, he looks – I know this is only, what, 10 years old, 15 years old, something like that, but he looks like – he looks so much younger than he does in the current movies. And uh, even my wife was commenting that, oh, my God, this is Jason Statham. He's the same same guy. It's like, yeah, the guy, I guess he's aged. But he's actually one of those people who I think actually looks better with a little bit more age on him. I don't know. I, I really I really enjoyed the movie. I don't have too much interesting to say about it. But I, I thought it was just a great action movie with a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, again, none of the villains or anything were really all that memorable. But that's okay. They're just uh, an excuse for him to kick their ass. So. Right on. Daniel. Sure. <clears throat> First of all, I'll just note that uh, Shu Ki is only nine years younger than Jason Statham. Fair point. Uh, she looks crazy young compared she to looks, him. She looks crazy young, but she would have been in her uh, like mid-twenties, and he was only about 32, I think. when uh, Ten years is okay. Ten years is fine. Yeah. No, no you're, you're talking about nine, I'm looking at the IMDb pages now, so... <laughs> No, we're right. good. No, I think uh, I think she's really good in this. She was so uh, I'll I'll uh, you know just kind of tell. I saw this theatrically uh, back in two thousand two. I don't remember exactly why. I I mean I remember seeing the ads and just going, oh that looks interesting. I knew Jason Statham because I had seen Snatch and I loved Snatch. Mm. And I think this mm-hmm. was in that period where um, some buddies of mine and I were all going to see movies. And like every Sunday, we would just go see whatever was out. And I think this was just on that list. And uh, I wasn't really expecting a whole lot out of it. And I think not expecting, you know, because I I had seen, I was kind of, you know, familiar with sort of the, like the drive phenomenon, although drive didn't exist, but like the driver, I'd seen bits of that. And, you know, I was kind of expecting it to be more of a sort of like a Ronin kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea that suddenly this guy who I knew is the kind of, you know, comic gangster guy from Snatch suddenly starts like, you know, doing martial arts on this level, starts Jackie Channing and the way his way out of the place kind of blew me away. And I really was uh, surprised by it. 
looking back at it now, I mean, rewatching it, I rewatched it um, a few days ago and then I rewatched it this afternoon. It's amazing how efficient this is. This movie is like 92 minutes long and it does not waste a single minute of its runtime. Uh, you kind of jump right in with the, the sort of introductory action scene, which shows you what Frank can do in a car. And then you kind of never see him. I mean, he drives again. I mean, he drives later in the film, but you never get like another big car chase scene again. You know, you kind of right. you're past that. Um, everything from then forward is really more of like a kickboxing kung fu kind of stuff. Um, and then, you know, uh, a little bit of gunplay action. Um, I like the fact um, I have seen Transporter 2. I really dislike Transporter 2, I think, for the exact reasons that it becomes way, way too Hollywood and it just gets over the top and stupid. Uh, whereas this is really scaled down. I like the fact that this is only a $20 million movie. Um, it doesn't feel like it's it's pushing too hard against that, you know, trying to kind of make everything huge. I mean, it's really it has a very straightforward narrative it's telling. It's got some really cool action scenes, and it's really just kind of delivering those like action beats over and over again. Um, I really like the characters in this. You've really got kind of a three-hander here, Jason Statham as Frank Martin, our hero. Shuki, who I think is amazing and adorable and like fetishy as fuck in certain sequences in this, and uh, huh. I'm down with that. And I'm also uh, Francois Barleyand as uh, the inspector, Tarconi. One of the great pleasures of this film is watching him and Jason Statham uh, have their, their kind of like battle of wits where the detective definitely knows, he knows more than he's letting on, and Statham knows that the detective knows more than he's letting on, but they're both just kind of kind of willing to let it ride until they have to. Um, I really love the relationship between those two, and I really hate that they bring him back to be the, the bumbling sidekick again. They just kind of force him into the second movie, and it was just kind of like, yeah, I love this relationship when it was organic and natural, and it felt like a real thing that was happening, as opposed to, yeah, yeah, we like you liked him in the first one, let's put him in the second one, why not? But yeah, no. I, I I really love this. I think it's a lot of fun. And uh, you know, I wanted to do it just to uh <laughs> just to just chat about how, how fun it is. And I think people forget how fun this is. Yeah, so for me, first time I saw this, I think it was right around the time it came out on DVD. I'm pretty sure I rented it. I'm not a big fan of this series as a whole. I've seen the other two movies. Uh, I've even seen little bits and pieces of the reboot that came out in like twenty fifteen. Or I think that's a reboot, isn't it? Like it Yeah, it, I didn't it's a reboot. It is, yeah. Until I was looking it up, so. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I've even seen some of the TV series too. Just, and I don't know why, because I'm I'm not a big I'm not a big fan of the series. I don't know why I keep dipping into it, but maybe it's because I just like Statham so much, and I like watching him do his thing uh, in movies. Uh, I'm big. I'm actually a pretty big fan of Statham, and I, I feel like he's not given enough good projects. Like it just feels like he. It kind of kind of feels like The Rock, where early on he was just picking all kinds of projects that were wrong for him, and then you see Statham doing all these uh, lesser direct-to-video things that are just honestly beneath him, and he's so good in them, and he just stands out like a sore thumb in like the shittiness in general that's around him in, in, in a lot of these movies. I think this is decent. It's not the kind of action film I like. I feel like it gets a little too nonsensical in some of the fights. Like I don't really like the overtop action unless it's presented in a way that sort of fits with the world, I guess is the best way to put it. Like if, if you look like a, an over the top action movie, like from Hong Kong or someplace like that, you know, like a traditional martial arts film, usually it's sort of explained a way that you're doing these superhuman things because of their chi or whatever. Right. So you can sort of buy into the, the sort of mysticism that's sort of understood in this one. I feel like some of this stuff is just a little too over the top. I'm glad that they didn't include the bouncing the fucking rocket off of the dinner plate in the actual movie, because that would have just made me go fuck this. Some of the fights are good though. Like I, I do like some of them. 
And I mean, Statham is just a nat- natural uh, athlete. He did most of his stunts in this. He's really good. But once you get to the end with the stuff that around the truck, where they're just sort of like jumping up and down around the truck and climbing or, around it and shit. Where they're trying to do Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm, yeah, that stuff kind of loses me. But for the most part, it does balance its uh, sort of comedic moments, which are a bit more natural with the seriousness of the uh, plot, because this movie actually apparently is a little bit darker. If you look at like the cut scenes, like the international version, I think includes longer fight scenes with stabbings and stuff like that in it. And I think they cut a little bit of that out for uh, the American market. I like the Frank Martin inspector Tarconi relationship. I kind of wish the whole film was this, honestly, just him trying to track this guy down and catch him while they're still like remaining friends. There's a really great movie there somewhere that, just they just sort of touch upon here in places and you're right daniel in the second movie they just treat him like a bitch like he just becomes comedy sidekick you know to frank martin which sucks ass because it's shown a lot of disrespect to a really interesting character that's built up here in this film i think the movie again like i mentioned it sort of falls apart at the end with the uh, action scenes which kind of drop all the subplots in favor of the action i think like you, you have the whole uh trafficking of chinese nationals uh, you know, illegally uh, in uh, shipping containers and stuff like that. And it just kind of becomes a throwaway, eh, who cares kind of thing. Like a lot of stuff feels throwaway. There seems like there's a lot more plot here that just kind of got dumped. And maybe my biggest nitpick of this film, though, <laughs> is it just me or is it everyone in this fucking film fire tracers all the time? Because every bullet that gets fired, you see it coming out of the fucking gun, man. Like it, it's ridiculous, the gunfire and this. I mean, it, it works in a way, it worked because you can sort of tr- track the, the the firepower. You can see where all the bullets and shit are going. But at the same time, it's dumb. <laughs> it's 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 like I think this, like, is the, this is the it was you know only a few years after the Matrix and everybody was doing the like bullet time effect. Yeah, um, there's also movie. Corey Yoon, which is a Hong Kong action director, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, adding. yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big Hong Kong like. I'm not a big fan of like stuff like hard boiled and things like that. That that kind of stuff loses me. Like I, I'm looking at the elements I like in this, and they're the ones that remind me of The Driver or Drive or something along those lines, which are more character studies and they are action films, I guess. But but I mean, it, there's just so many interesting places this movie could go. I feel like there's a there's a certain degree of the you know, you've got to kind of be on board with the Luc Besson attitude towards. I the guess. Movie. And uh, I mean, I totally get that he's, he's you know, there, there is a bit of love him or hate him. I, mean, I feel like Luke Besson is sort of, if Michael Bay had talent, um, <laughs> kind of eternal 13-year-old boy, there, there is this kind of sense of, and then he's going to like take the rocket and he's going to knock it away with a dinner plate. And then, oh yeah, and then the pretty girl, she's going to come out and she's going to offer him sex and it's going to be cool and he's not going <laughs> to do it at first, but her ass is going to look great. But we're not going to be like creepy and misogynistic about Megan Fox the way Michael Bay is going to do it. There's a ton of that in this. And, uh, you know, everything is kind of played to the rafters, but in a way that is, uh, you know, sort of sort of a knowing wink in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. There is this kind of dark heart to this material. That I mean, this is about human trafficking of Chinese people, you know. But I feel like that's also, you know, it, do, it, does, uh, it does lend a little bit of weight to the film. That at least there is a kind of, you know, like it really it isn't just... 
you know, sort of a delivery system for, for, you know, action sequences. And it lends a little bit of emotional heart to the Shuki character, which I think is, is nice. Um, I like that she's kind of lying to him through like half the mm-hmm. movie that she, she's kind of leading him on, but like in a way that is, you know, kind of, yeah, she's trying to do this thing. I mean, I don't know. It, it's a very kind of delicate balancing act. And when it works, she gets into like the fifth element, which I think is one of the greatest movies of its kind ever made. This isn't quite on that level, but I think it basically works. I think it basically manages to to kind of find that balance. But if you're looking for something that's a little more introspective or that's a little bit darker, that's got a little bit more of a kind of a, a theme. I mean, the whole thing of like, I've got rules. I don't break them. And it's like, yeah, no, you're going to break them in the first eight minutes because you just decided to. It doesn't take that shit seriously. It's really just a rip on the genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just kept thinking that stuff was done better in The Driver. That's that was well, sort yeah, of my... The Driver's one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know, I know. I, I will say, I, I really no in The Driver that where you know, like the lead character takes his shirt off and rolls around in oil while fighting twelve guys. <laughs> it's really, it's really kind of a fifty-fifty on that, you know. Yeah, no, that, man. I will say, if I, if I make enough money to uh, retire to another country and, and live, you know, a, a comfortable life, I want to retire in Jason Statham's fucking house in this fucking film. I love that fucking little mm-hmm. castle thing he's got going on there. <laughs> That's so fucking great. Uh, I was kind of actively pissed off when I saw them rocket the shit out of that place. I was like, fuck. <laughs> Uh, anyone else have any other thoughts they want to get into on this? Or I was going to mention briefly how, like you guys were saying about the sequel. I know we, we're not going detailed in that one, but yeah, two was very Hollywood. Three was very I know how to make it by someone who didn't know how to make it, and then four was the reboot, like you said. And honestly, if Statham had been in that, I think that one would have worked because it was actually competent and decent. But Ed Scrine was impersonating Jason Statham. So uh, it's, yeah, he it's, had too much hair. Yeah. It's honestly, there's a fight in a bank vault that it is worth your time, but oof, no. But I mean, Statham and this one fought, what, eight guys on a bus? Mm-hmm. Shirtless with a knife. I, I think that's part of how the movie was kind of working for me. The whole parking garage, everything from like in that whole segment where he kept encountering guys and it kept escalating. There's that brief moment of, well, how is he going to do this? And then he does, oh, that was cool. And then, well, how is he going to get out of this? Oh, okay. Because they kept, like, they didn't make it obvious how it was going to work, but. Mm-hmm you're always on board with how he does get out of it. It's one of those classic kind of situations. It, it really worked for me. It on the action choreography, a lot of it as yeah. well. It's, it's, oh. it's, you know, and then he finds a, a ladder and throws it at a guy. Yeah. Clever way. Uh, I know. did have some problems. The fire hose is a bit much for me when he's spin kicking it into people's faces. Like that would hurt your foot too. But eh. once you're in that deep, you're just along for the ride. And I, I will say I do agree with you, Scott. Although some of the action scenes lost me, I generally do like how they're filmed, though. There is quick cuts, but they're not as quick as something as, say, like the later Bourne identity films, you know, where, there, where there's where there's like a cut every two seconds and you can't follow the fight. Here, you do have the camera pull away and you can see what's going on and you can follow the beats of the fight with the cuts. So Take, that Taken works. 3 was directed by Olivier Megaton who has one of the cooler names, I believe. But <laughs> that's the scene which has the, the legendary 30 cuts to climb over a fence. Oh, my for, God. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you, you guys might have heard of that. He directed Transporter 3. Ah, uh, well, yeah. the only thing I remember about Transporter 3 is the hot redhead that he's protecting. Yeah, but there literally is a moment when he gets in a garage and he knocks over something and he has a metal pipe again. Like, that happened in all three movies. And uh-huh. I will not lie, 
I cheered when it happened. But it's like, how is that a thing? That should not be a thing. Jason Statham fighting 30 guys in a garage with a metal pipe longer than him. <laughs> I, no, you could tell anybody that that's going to happen in three movies. They would call you crazy. Well? <laughs> hmm. Yes, anything else, guys? Or Well, of course, we need to do the nudity report on this movie. And uh, again, this is a movie with no actual direct nudity. However, don't feel like you need to just zip up your pants that quickly because you do have alternatives. Because Kui Shu has appeared in a number of movies naked. And apparently she was a, I might have the country wrong. I thought it was China, but I might be wrong on that. But apparently she was a softcore porn actress in China or whatever country it is if I've got the country wrong. I believe China or Hong Kong. I can confirm having read that, looking up information on my review before. So yes. (laughs) Uh, So you were doing your research as well. I I had done that yeah, a couple of years ago, but I did read that. Yeah. So if you want to see her in all her glory, you can check out the movie. Apparently her most prolific one is called Sex and Zen Part 2. Oh, that series. So so that's Part 2. I I don't know about Part 1. I I assume she's not in that one. That's from the good old uh, 1996, back in the day. That one you can see her in uh, apparently a whole bunch of softcore porn scenes. And then there's another movie called True Woman, which I'm not totally sure if that one's quite softcore porn, but you definitely get to see her naked in all sorts of various angles and such. Um, so, yeah, definitely uh, if you want to see what she looks like without clothes on, you're, you do have some options. So get to it. There you go. <laughs> all right, so the budget for this was $20.5 million. Box office was cool little $43.9 million, so it did fairly well for itself. I mean, it predicated a whole franchise, so... Uh... I mean, even though I'm not the biggest fan of this franchise, like, it is cool to see that Statham at least got a couple of, like, legit, really good franchises under his belt, you know, that kind of solidified him as a real action star, as opposed to just being second guy from the left in other movies, you know? Uh, Like, this and Crank, I think, are both pretty Mm -hmm. decent series overall. Like, you know, you can can enjoy yourself with them, right? DVD info for this, 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment uh, DVD in 2002 and 2005, and then a Blu-ray release in 2006. And a little teeny bit of trivia here. As I said, Statham did most of his stunts on this. He did basically, I think, all the driving Uh, in his driving scenes. Statham learned how to hotwire a car just for this one scene in the movie that he does it in. And apparently he's quoted as saying, perhaps he's just joking, would have liked to know that when I was about 15. (laughs) 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 Can I give you a bit of additional info there, Mm -hmm. Lee? Uh, In looking up box office, it took until the Meg for him to get a movie over $100 at the box office that wasn't Expendables or Fast and Furious. Oh, there you go. I mean, he never quite got there. He came close. I think with Transporter Two did rather well, but he never got there. So it took him until this year to get his own franchise over a hundred million, and yeah. they're very happy with that worldwide. And it's based on a novel series of seven books. So hopefully, there's a series in that form too. Yeah, I like seeing Statham actually make good and, and do well because he honestly he is my favorite modern era action star. And when you guys were comparing <laughs> him to uh, previous uh, eras. I, I would say I'd say uh, the Van Damme comparison is probably the most apt one uh, as, as far as just like his pure action stuff. And if you're going to like compare him, uh, go back a little further, he's, he's kind of like Van Damme and McQueen. Like he's kind of a combination of that almost in, in, in my estimation. He, he's got sort of that same sort of minimalistic working class action style, uh, acting style that uh, I think McQueen sort of had in a lot of his characters too. sort of, you know, just, just doing his job kind of. 
thing, you know? Well, you know, even though I'm a big fan of Schwarzenegger, uh, I always thought Statham was the best part of the Expendable movies because Schwarzenegger was always sort of more of a cameo role than anything else. I thought J- uh, Statham always kind of carried that movie, more so even than Stallone. In my yeah, life. I agree with that, absolutely, yeah. yeah. My, uh, my comparison with Stallone, I think Stallone was uh, the workman like in like your first Bloods and, and some of those earlier right. ones. Um, but you're right. He didn't really have any fighting technique. He 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 fought as good as like a Captain Kirk. He would throw punches and haymakers, and there's nothing to it. Um, so I get the I get the Van Dam uh, comparison in, in that regard. I understand that, but I think like he he was probably in better grounded movies like Stallone was, even though Schwarzenegger's were much more fun. I felt yeah. like the rock star now. So that was that was my idea for that. But yeah, no, Van Damme's a better comparison. I think you're probably right on that, guys. In the original conception of this movie, Frank was apparently gay. They added the love scene in it to specifically draw away from any potential uh, vestiges of that aspect in the script, I guess. So yeah, they don't want Jason Statham being gay. They want to actually sell tickets, apparently. It was their thought, I guess. Ironically, if they made that movie today, they'd probably do the opposite. That just made me think. When Wall Street passes the payment to Frank after he delivers her in the bag, he kind of like, he touches his hand for a little while. Like there's, there's a prolonged touching of hands as he passes the money envelope. So obviously there's still a little bit of that still in the script. Mm-hmm. It's kinda, that's, that's no, I, I don't, I don't think that's, I think that's just European. I was say, that's <laughs> the European sensibilities. I think yeah. that's, they're just really gay that way. They're just, yeah. they're just French. I mean, yeah, yeah. They're, they are in Nice. They are in Nice in France. So yes. Yeah. But he's supposed to be an American and, and, and uh, Statham's this like ex expat special forces guy. When in France, do as the I, French do. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, he's got himself a sort of a villa kind of thing at the, at the I, side I, of the cliff. I actually like this interpretation that Frank Martin is actually uh, bisexual or pansexual. I am now taking that as canon. You cannot there take you it away from me. Yeah. Fine. As I was mentioning, there there were some cuts to this. Uh, the Region 1 DVD features three extended fight scenes. All three are unrated and not suitable for persons under 18 years of age due to violence and adult subject matter. The scenes were shortened due to time pacing reasons and mostly for a PG-13 rating. The scenes featured more brutal violence, blood splattering when people got shot, and stabbings with a knife, etc. So there you go. Daniel, any idea what we're doing next time? Well, I, I was thinking, I mean, next time we could lean into the meme and do Die Hard. I've done a commentary on Die Hard. <laughs> it really just depends. How are you feeling about that? If not, uh, we'll, I'll pick something else. Die Hard sounds good. Okay, we'll do Die Hard. Awesome, awesome. So, Scott, please tell people where they can find you on the interwebs, all your different uh, projects. All the different projects? Well, mine is Guilty Pleasure Cinema dot com cyclops scott is my youtube my twitch my twitter but we are together on jobber radio on a podcast mm-hmm. it's jobberradio.com there's the prediction league on there all the fun stuff in there in the discord and all that good stuff um i also appear on reckless eating now and then and on mainframe gaming now and then and i'll throw out that plug for my friend again because he's helped me out with videos jason over at trisket deca files and i'll get you the spelling for that Dot com. He's got, I think, seven years worth of good reviews for bad movies. So there, there's lots of fun stuff from the guilty pleasures to the, oh, God, what is that across <laughs> our two sites. So there's lots of stuff to cover in there. Cool. Daniel, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper. Everything I do goes up there. And Greg, it was always a pleasure. People can't find you anywhere, and that's probably good for them. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's probably it's probably better. You know, I'm the, the more people know me, the better the 
the the less they want to know me. So that's just fine. But I'll tell you where you will be able to find me. We'll be in next week on They Must Be Destroyed on site because Die Hard is one of the best movies ever made. Spoilers, and I will definitely have something to say about that. Hopefully, awesome. I won't be on, hopefully I won't be on after Scott again, and he'll just uh, <laughs> say say everything I have to say. Because although uh, you seem like a great guy, Scott, you're a jerk because you have too much to say, and you're much smarter about this stuff than I am. So, oh man, Die Hard's a good one too. <laughs> <laughs> And you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com, where you can find all the requisite links to our Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Facebook group links. Join our Facebook group, and you can find out what's coming out on the podcast and what's sort of happening with us. And until then, thank you all, guys. Uh, It was a pleasure doing this two weeks in a row. It was a lot of fun. And we will see you all when we see you again. Goodbye. Cheers. Bye. You've been listening to They Must Be Destroyed On Sight. 
For other episodes, our Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Facebook group links, as well as podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.